You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and the Himalaya Podcasting app. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Thursday. Got a bit of ground to cover because we've got the all defensive team selections announced drew holiday is on there i'll tell you where he fell why it kind of makes sense and why this is actually maybe even more impressive than last season after that we've got to talk about john morant the number two the expected number two overall pick in the draft pelicans are talking to him Is it just doing their due diligence, or is there more to it than that? We'll take a look at that situation. Then, some interesting news from Adam Silver regarding start times in the NBA, potentially, and looking at West Coast games, which all of us here in the Central Time Zone know all about staying up late to watch. What does that mean for the future of the league going forward? So, all of that and more in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So before we get to that all-defensive team and the nod for Drew Holiday, today's show is brought to you by a number of different sponsors, and the first one being Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. All right, so the all-defensive teams were released yesterday, the first and second team. And as we know, Drew Holiday made first-team all-defense last year. So did Anthony Davis. Where did they fall in the awards this year? Well, the first team started off with Rudy Gobert, Paul George, and Giannis up at the front court. Rudy Gobert counts as the center. George and Giannis count as the forwards. Then it was Marcus Smart and Eric Bledsoe. Finishing at the guard spots. Then you look at the second team. You have Joel Embiid at the center spot. Draymond Green, deservedly so, at a forward. Kawhi Leonard, deservedly so, at a forward. Clay Thompson at the guard spot. And then, finally, Drew Holiday at the guard spot. He finished about 10 points shy of Eric Bledsoe for the first team. So pretty close. And at first, this maybe feels like a slight. Certainly, you think Drew Holiday is better than Eric Bledsoe, particularly defensively. Bledsoe was really good this year, don't get me wrong, and it's a pretty close difference. So the way it works is you get two points for a first-team nod, one point for a second-team nod. Holiday finished with 90 total points, Eric Bledsoe with 100 total points. For comparison's sake, Marcus Smart finished with 145 points, and Clay Thompson finished with 82 total points for uh, the second team nod there. So he's really close to making that first team all defensive selection. And when you really look at this, it's he's on a bad team, and that has something to do with it, a real big part of this. Uh, Scott Kushner kind of looked at the numbers in the history of this award and said the only people who've made it or made an all defensive team this decade without having a team that was on a winning uh, record was basically Anthony Davis two years ago when he made it. So this is very rare that you get on this list. And if you only finished with, say, 33 wins, yeah, it's not going to look too good. Their defensive rating was also in the bottom third in the league. That's going to be held against Drew Holiday when it comes down to this award. So the fact that he did this when every other player on uh, on these awards basically won 45 games or more, 
yeah, I understand why he's maybe on the second team. And you know what? There's there's nothing wrong with finishing second. Also, it might be 49 wins, taking a look at this right now really quickly, that, yeah, 49 wins is the minimum it took to be on first or second team here um, for, for these other guys. So to go from 49 wins to 33 wins, it's a pretty significant difference. And then when you look at some of the other teams that these guys were on, whether it's the Golden State Warriors or the Milwaukee Bucks, two very good defensive teams, it's going to look a whole lot better. The uh, Warriors were in the top 15 of defense this year. Um, the Bucks basically had the best defense all year. You're going to get a lot of extra kind of bump up because of it. And it's just one of those things. It's going to be like the rookie of the year voting where it's going to go Luka Doncic and then Trey Young finishes second. And it's not a slight on Trey Young. It's just Doncic was slightly better, and there's no shame in finishing second in this. The interesting thing, though, if you're a Pelicans fan, is Anthony Davis wasn't listed on any of those teams when he normally really makes it. And then you kind of look at the other players receiving votes part of this. He received just two votes for the second team, finishing with a total of just two points. That's not a lot. That's way behind some other people you would uh, you would think. Al Horford beat him out. Paul Millsap beat him out. Um, Robert Covington beat him out. Pascal Siakam beat him out. P.J. Tucker beat him out. Now, this voting is not perfect because really when you look at this, some guys receiving votes here are Ricky Rubio, Damian Lillard, Kyrie Irving. None of those guys are very good at defense. Bradley Beal, who straight up like quit on his team, received a vote for the second team all defense. So some of this is a bit fluky, and you've got to kind of wonder what's going through some people's minds with this. But AD, who's been perennially on this list, finishing with just two points, shows you how down people are on him. And also, when we watched him play even before the trade request and was like, God, he leaves you just wanting more this year. He really did, and others saw it, and that's why you don't see him on the all-defensive selection or really receiving any votes for it. But Drew Holiday being up there, and that highly and that close to uh, finishing on the first team um, is pretty good. So Eric Bledsoe finished with 36 first-team votes. Drew Holiday finished with 31 first-team votes. They actually finished with the same amount of second-team votes, so a lot of people were just not putting Holiday on their ballot, which probably has to do more with the irrelevance of the Pelicans than anything else. And they were irrelevant this season. So the fact that he even gets on, I think, really shows you that his reputation is entrenched in this. And he said he wanted to make this a regular thing. Two in a row is a pretty good start to making that a regular thing. So nice to see Holiday get the recognition he deserves. If you want some of the numbers on it, and this is one of the better defensive metrics we have, and I don't even think it's that good, to be honest, is defensive real plus minus. You look at the point guards. Holiday finished ninth with a score of 121. Marcus Smart was above him with 128. Makes sense. Marcus Smart is really good on the defensive side of the ball. Bledsoe was 10th. So Holiday was ninth, Bledsoe was 10th with a 1.04. So no huge surprise. That's not the best metric. You can read more about that stat if you want. I don't really use it on here a ton because I don't particularly like it. But it's worth showing how close all of those guys were. They literally were 8, 9, and 10 when it came to the guards in that one measure. So they're close. This is good for Holiday. We could nitpick it to death. Yes, he should be on the first team. But the Pelicans didn't do him any favors as a franchise, as a team. And if they get back to winning ways next season, expect to see Holiday back on that first team all-defensive list. 
So before we talk about John Morant, which is maybe the the next name on everyone's uh, lips here, other than Zion Williamson going into this draft, and a guy Pelicans fans are particularly enamored with, I do also need to mention that today's podcast is brought to you by Untuck It. Dads come in all kinds of shapes and sizes, and so should their shirts, like tall, short, slim, and relaxed. Ever wonder why your father's button-ups look so long and baggy at the end of the day? It looks awful. It can be hard for guys to pull off a casual, untucked look that isn't sloppy, and that's where Untuck It comes in. Untuck It is a solution that fits just right. Their shirts are specifically designed to look great untucked and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend. It's hot in New Orleans. These things can be a damn savior at times. No tucking or tailoring required. Go to untuckit.com and use the promo code MBA for 20% off your order that's untuckit.com and the promo code is nba so in the conference call that david griffin and trajan langdon had the other day david griffin said he talked to john morant and his family and basically let it be known that morant would be thrilled to come and play in new orleans if he was selected with the number one overall pick he's not going to be it's going to be zion williamson but it's nice to hear that john morant would like to come to new orleans and you know, we look at this as the Pelicans just doing their due diligence. They'll work him out, I'm sure. I'm sure they'll speak with him a little bit more and really get a good draft profile on him to see if, you know, maybe they want to draft him number one overall. Spoiler, they don't. It's going to be Zion Williamson. But it's never a bad idea just to kind of look into it and kind of do your due diligence on a guy. But could there be anything more to it? And this is something I've been asked a lot the past couple of days. Could the Pelicans somehow get the second overall pick in this draft? I'm going to shoot this down right now. There's no way. I think there is clearly a top. There, there's the way I see the stratas in this draft right now is you've got Zion in the top tier. Then you've got Ja Morant and RJ Baird of Duke um, in the second tier. And then it's a big drop off after those guys. It is a very big drop off from three to four. Maybe you like Darius Garland. Maybe you like Jared Culver. Maybe you like DeAndre Hunter. I think I'd probably put Garland personally at four. But man, it's a big drop off from three to four to the point that like if you're not picking in the top three in this one, like you don't feel that great about the type of player that you're going to end up with. And we'll look at some of these guys a whole lot more as we get closer to the draft and have an idea of what other picks the Pelicans may or may not have. But could somehow the Pelicans maybe flip the Anthony Davis to the Lakers, get the four pick, package the four, and, and then I think what someone asked me was, could they then move... Lonzo Ball to the Phoenix Suns for the sixth pick and package the four and the sixth pick for the two overall spot for the Memphis Grizzlies who are desperately in need of like a, a youthful injection of talented players. The answer is no. We like to think it. Four and six, that's really high. That's two top 10 picks. Go up and move up to number two and you've already got your stud player there in Jaron Jackson Jr. in Memphis. No. The two pick is so much more valuable than the four and the six combined that there's not a chance. I would trade the four, five, six, and seven pick to keep the two. I would not make a move for those four other first round picks, four top 10 picks to keep the second pick. That's how much more valuable I think it is. You, I could even argue, or you could argue for me that I would trade the three, four, and five pick for the number two overall pick. That's how valuable I think in this draft the two pick is. I'm not as high on RJ Barrett as some others are, but it really just kind of comes down to your valuation of him. Basically what I'm trying to say is it'll at least take the third pick in the draft to get 
the second pick. And even then, knowing that the Memphis Grizzlies will likely draft John Morant and then trade uh, Mike Conley and get a couple of other picks back or some other youthful, young, talented players, things like that, there's no way they're going to trade it. I know it's exciting to talk about. I don't see a world where the Pelicans somehow end up with the second pick overall. I've been stunned before. You know, we also didn't expect them to get the number one overall pick. But this isn't going to be a realistic thing. Don't start dreaming of a Zion and Jaw future with this team. I think Jaw is clearly the second best prospect in this draft. I see a bit of a gulf, not a huge gulf, but a bit of one between him and R.J. Barrett. And then really, if it comes to the four pick or later, there's not a chance. Those guys, there's a significant drop off there. So throwing cold water on this. No reason the Pelicans shouldn't do their due diligence and talk to Morant, work him out, kind of go through the motions with it. But it's going to be Zion. Don't expect to see John Morant in a Pelicans uniform next season. We'll talk about start times in a second here, but today's show is also brought to you by Grip6, where their goal is to literally make the best belt that's ever been made. Grip6 belts are an easy, thoughtful gift for dads, brothers, husbands, uncles, grandpas, even moms and wives because they've got a women's collection. They're ultra lightweight with no holes, no flaps, and it carries a low profile with the buckle laying flat against the waist. This makes them super comfortable. I have three of these things. They're interchangeable with the buckles. Basically, it's given me something like 27 combinations of belts that I can wear. It matches with everything. They look good with suits. They look good with shorts. It makes it really easy to kind of go from one event to another on a fly and look pretty stylish during that time. So Grip6 has a special offer for you over at grip6.com slash lock, L-O-C. C-K-E, that's G-R-I-P, the number six, dot com slash lock, L-O-C-K-E. Go check it out. These things are absolutely awesome. They fit super well. They were they just look really good. Highly recommend them. So again, that's grip6.com slash lock. So some news yesterday came from NBA Commissioner Adam Silver talking about start times in the NBA, particularly with the East Coast crowd watching West Coast games, whether it's the playoffs or just during the regular season. And he's saying there's a stark drop off and, you know, games don't start till 1030 there sometimes. It's pretty late in that around 11, 1130, you see a significant drop in TV ratings. And the interesting thing is 50% of all TV households are on the Eastern are on the Eastern time zone in the Eastern time zone. There we go. Uh, not necessarily on the East Coast, but in the Eastern time zone. And this is something that the league is slightly concerned about, that drop in TV ratings. TV ratings are the lifeblood of the NBA, and that's where the majority of the money comes from. It's also... Uh, help set the salary cap and it's one of the reasons you want to see that keep going up and up and up is because it means the tv ratings are going up and up and up and it means these tv deals cost a lot of money which then influences the salary cap and so on and so forth so the league's going to look into doing something about this what i have no idea but it also just might mean that some games on the west coast start a little bit earlier Pelicans games, when they're out on the West Coast playing the Lakers, Portland, the Warriors, Clippers, all of those West Coast teams, start at 9.30. It's rough. It's rough when I do a podcast and I'm up until 1 or 2 in the morning, and then I'm up at 6.30 in the morning to go to my full-time job. I'm sure many of you feel the same way. It's rough. 
So they're going to look into doing what they can, which then if they do find a solution for this, likely means the salary cap goes up, which is good for the Pelicans. They'll have more cap space and hopefully be an attractive destination in the future with how things are shifting here. One thing I also wonder, though, is if maybe you'll start to see some realignment to kind of help with all of that. Maybe the Pelicans get thrown into the Eastern Conference, which I'm sure we would all love, given that they're closer to that. And they were originally in the Eastern Conference um, back when they were the Hornets here in New Orleans. So that could be a very good option and kind of a way to maybe do some realignment that makes more sense for time zones and what have you. Some just to kind of keep an eye on in the future. We don't know how it's going to go. I don't think there's going to be anything hugely uh, changing anytime soon. Um, But something to kind of keep in mind because I think whatever the solution is, either we get to go to bed earlier Or the Pelicans are in an easier conference. Sounds like a win or a win to me here um, for Pelicans fans. So hopefully we'll see some changes. Not going to be anything anytime soon, though. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget, download the Himalaya podcast app. Subscribe to Locked on Pelicans to stay up to date on everything you want to know with this team. It's going to be a fun ride going forward. Also, big thanks to Hotels.com, Untuck It, and Grip Six Belts. Check all of those places out. That We've got some great deals there for you through the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow. 